Hello and welcome to episode 258 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm the Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Join me as always is the ceremonious League Freak. You can find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Going pretty well considering the way my day started, hey? Well, this is, this is the way you function, and that is start out like a king and get better from there. Well, you want to hear how my day started? Fill us in. I'm sound asleep. I didn't sleep well last night. I'm sound asleep, you know, out to the world. And I wake up to a tickle on my arm. I look down, this giant white tail spider on my arm. So, like, half asleep, I flick it, and I don't know where it goes. But I'm up out of the bed like a ninja. And I'm like, well, where's it gone? Well, I can't find it. So I start turning my sheets over and everything, still can't find it. So I get, like, uh, my Mortine. I use surface spray for everything, right? So I get that. I spray everything. And I'm up. I'm awake now. So I get up, chuck on some YouTube, you know, have a coffee, all that sort of stuff. But I start getting tired again. And so I go in my room. I start looking for it. I eventually found it. It was still alive. (laughs) Uh, So I killed that sucker. And then I weirdly because normally you'd think oh you know you don't want to go back to sleep again i fell into the most sound sleep it was beautiful (laughs) did you uh have you got bites all over you when you woke up no no it's just uh because i double checked and it was just sitting on my forearm no bites no nothing i just just decided to hang out it was really weird yeah that's that's crazy. Yeah, I get woken up. I would have been peeking so lot. hard about that. You what? I would have been peeking so hard about that. So as soon as that, as soon as that thing's dead, yeah, I go right. That's phase one dealt with. Now <laughs> it had to have had parents. Yeah, and there's a fair chance, given that it's out on its own, it's old enough to be independent. So it's probably got children somewhere. Maybe even a uh, a maybe it's married. Who knows? Kind of a small family. Yeah, there's bound to be at least another. One, two, three hundred of these fucking things somewhere. I'm gonna need to kill them all. And it was a, like it was a, one of the big ones. You know mm. where you know how you see white tails sometimes, and they're pretty small. This yeah. was a huge one. Um, I actually thought it was a wolf spider when I woke up, and then when I found it, I was like, "Oh, it's a white tail. That's even better." <laughs> um, so yeah, it was. So so now you know too the surface spray. Yep. You need a fucking upgrade. I do. Well, this surface spray really kills things, but it was like right under some other sheets and stuff, and I think it just was it lucked out, you know. So I tomorrow I'm going to uh, just basically waste an entire can of surface spray, just spraying everything. Yeah, I'd vacuum everything, wash yeah. everything, and yeah. then just um, get as many chemicals in cans as you can find, and just completely. Napalm your room with it. Yeah, that's that's basically the goal tomorrow. That'll work. Yeah. That'll work. If that doesn't kill that as well as coronavirus, nothing will. <laughs> Speaking of killing it. Oh, yeah. You know, if you go to manscaped.com, right, and you get the performance package 3.0, and when you're paying for it, you put in the code NRL, you get 20% off and free shipping, and that is the definition of killing it. Oh hell yeah! Yeah. Not only do you do you absolutely crush it in life, but you're also killing every single hair 
that's around your glorious nutsack you possibly can. Exactly. I mean, who doesn't like having shiny cock and balls, you know? I, I don't know. Maybe the French? Possibly. But that's the whole goal of the Manscaped website. And uh, if you go there, 20% off and free shipping is amazing, but they also throw in a 30-day money-back guarantee because they're so confident in their products, and their products are amazing. You know, you get the Lawnmower 3.0, which is the just the best thing since sliced bread, I reckon. Yeah, I'll slice bread. Let's be honest. It's overrated, and it's been surpassed as a great invention. Yeah, it has. It has. Lawnmower 3.0 nails it. You know what? They even shipped to France. So if you want to be a trendsetter in France, all you've got to do is get on the manscaped.com, use our code NRL. You'll be changing the way the uh, the French people do things. Yeah. You can smoke a cigarette in the darkness and shave your balls because the Lawnmower 3.0 has got a light on it. There you go. You can even eat your snails while shaving your balls in the dark. Yeah. And driving your Renault. Well... If it works. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. It might break down. It, it will. Um, ha- welcome to having you on as, as a sponsor, Renault. Yeah. Yeah. If you're marketing team works. We're going to be looking for a new sponsor coming up. Yeah, we'll just take on any sponsor. Yeah, it'll be good. Anyway. Think, yeah. Now, today, huge, <laughs> huge uh, episode because this is the... The biggest night in Rugby League Awards ceremony for the year, of any year, mm-hmm. it's the King of Rugby League Awards. It's not selected by journalists. Nope. It's not selected by a bunch of soap dodgers. It's Certainly not. Yeah, it is selected by me, <laughs> numero uno, and it is the best awards going. There's no points. Points? There's no rules. Oh, you did a TikTok video? You go ahead and do that TikTok video, son. There's, I don't care. All right? It's all a dictatorship here on Fergo and the Freak. And the King of Rugby League Awards, the reason why they, they are a great marker for the history of the game is because there's none of the other bullshit involved in it. That's right. And it's been consistent from day one because there's only been one person involved in the process. Yeah. Although I do consult with you now. You do. Um, I don't ever expect you to take my word, but it, it feels nice to think that maybe you will. <laughs> of course I will. <laughs> All right. Imagine if I just sat here and went, well, well yeah, that's pretty much how I look at it too. <laughs> <laughs> just such an ego. Um, so, yeah, shall we get into it? Yeah, we've got, look, we've got five awards, so um, it's not going to be something where we'll just completely lock this down and try and find a way to get everyone a fucking award mm-hmm. five awards that's it no bullshit and it's not just for one game it's for the entire game around the world it starts at the very first game of the year and it ends at the very last game of the year yep. and everything's involved international state of origin club games whatever yep from every competition all around the world yep okay so the biggest story mm-hmm uh, who have you got down for this one, mate? It, you could not go past the global pandemic shutting down the entire game. Completely um, agree. Yeah, it's it, it's crazy to think that there was a point where the NRL was like, oh, this pandemic, huh? And three weeks later, game is shut down. 
like not playing at all, stopped for about a month or so. Super League, it was uh, it turned that into a shambles. Everything shut down. All sports shut down at some point. And, uh, yeah, looking back in 20 years' time, that would be the big story of this year, I think, but like by a long, long way. Yeah, I mean, the, the impact that on the game was immense mm-hmm. and immediate. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. Um, do you think, that, I mean, on an international scene, we only had one game played at the start of the year, and it was an unofficial match. Mm-hmm. And then every other international game that was lined up for the rest of the year was pretty much it was initially put on hold. Yeah. Only one game went ahead, and it was Germany versus Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else other than that, they, and they could have, if they wanted to, they could have had Australia versus New Zealand or Tonga mm-hmm. or something like that. Could have had England versus France if they wanted to. Yeah. But a lot of these um, nations were pretty much in, um, I suppose, a semi-shutdown mode where they didn't want to risk losing any more money. Yeah, and, like, I I know for European countries, it it was basically impossible to play, for most of them anyway, Mm. an international game. So that we actually got one played was kind of a miracle. Um, And it... You know, in the Southern Hemisphere, I mean, the New Zealand Rugby League's hopeless. They're not going to do anything. And the Australian Rugby League, they had to play the State of Origin series. And they knew that, you know, having the the elite players in lockdown for another three extra weeks and then asking them to do another extra week on top of that, you know, best case scenario. And then you have to get an opposition international team to you know, join together in, in some city and lock, possibly lock down for two weeks. It, it's just, it made it so difficult. Um, and, you know, you look at all of the knock-on effects from the, the pandemic, uh, the 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 way that the game's funding was cut by broadcasters, uh, no, no fans in the stands for most of the seasons, for the whole season over in Super League. Uh, just so many different knock-on effects that have happened from it. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, what changes end up being permanent from what we've seen happen this year. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all pretty confident that the NRL is going to be business as usual. Super League is a different story altogether because, I mean, they already cut one team. Um, a few other teams struggled to complete their, their games at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, we had one team losing points because of some financial issue they had about seven years ago or some crap. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in ruin over there. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's interesting what will happen. There's already talk that the Rugby League World Cup could be put on hold. They're still a bit sort of up in the air, I guess, on that one. So yeah, they, they seem committed to playing on, but... I just can't imagine that this time next year everything's going to be completely fine again. No, that's right. It's, I mean, the UK has been trying to figure out how they get rid of the uh, the coronavirus there because they've done basically effectively next to nothing mm-hmm. during the second wave. Um, what was it, about two weeks ago they decided to... Was it two weeks ago? About two weeks ago they decided to bring in a, um, a lockdown. Mm-hmm. For four weeks, 
That was after they peaked at 33,000 cases for the day. And yeah. uh, 17 days later, they're still getting 15, well, almost 16,000 cases a day. Yeah, and they're locking down different areas and... Uh, like yeah. it's it's terrible over there. It's really bad. So I just can't imagine that it's all just going to disappear in less than twelve months from now. No, it's right. It's it still be there. Yeah. And if that's the case, they can't have the World Cup in England. They can't have it in Europe. It's pretty no. much the case. It's going to have to be in the Southern Hemisphere somewhere. Yeah. Um. So that's a, that's a good one. Okay, we'll go to the next one here. The uh, representative player of the year, and. This is going to be one that will be uh, this unique as hell. It really is because there are no limits. You know, there's no... Everyone's just as important as everyone else. And, you know, you look at the... Basically, we had the State of Origin games and we had an unofficial test and a normal test match. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look at the State of Origin series, I don't think you can say any one player played great in two of the games you know there was kind of one player would play good in one game you know yeah no one dominated yeah and you and me were lucky enough to sit down and watch germany play the netherlands we saw one player that really stood out for us we felt like he made a real difference to the game he looked like the most dangerous player on either side uh and he actually come from the team that that didn't win the game yeah, which is um, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Because this will be the only time that a player has picked up the Representative Player of the Year award despite never winning a game that year on the yeah. international scene. Yeah, and, and like, he just thoroughly deserved it. Every time he was out there, it was, you know, all hands on deck to stop him. So the winner, and I hope I pronounce his name right, is Mawuli. Mawuli? Yep. Amafia. Yep, I'm I'm good with that. Yeah, and he was he was great. He was just great. He was a powerhouse, um, and really stood out of all of the players on the team. Uh, when he ran a little bit wider, you could see the the Netherlands team were, I mean, they were all hands on deck to stop him. He was fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty much like watching a world class second rower playing against the Broncos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. He just did um, what he wanted. Yeah, very strong, very strong player as well. And there was a few times where, in fact, by the end of the match, you and me kept on saying, look, just get him the ball. Yeah. You know, he was that good. So threatening the whole time. I love watching him play. Mm, yeah, I'd love yeah. to see some of these players just getting a bit of a chance to run in the uh, New South Wales Cup or the Queensland Cup. Yeah, it'd be yeah. interesting to see how they went. Um just to give them that experience with with some elite level players and go look, this is you know, you're you're great at what you do, yeah. But this is how you can be better, and then get them under that system just for a year, and then take them back to the international scene and just see what they do because I reckon he would have been brutal. Yeah, I agree. I, I reckon I, I reckon you could just I, I reckon you could put him on the bench immediately for a New South Wales Cup team or a Queensland Cup team, and he'd be fine. Yeah. Yeah, and he he'd learn and be uh, you know one of those great improvers because that's yeah. the thing. A lot of these guys in these these European nations they play for the love of the game more than anything else, and so they are hungry to learn. Yeah. So and and the cool thing was 
we've seen other international awards handed out and they really focus on, you know, the the teams that get most of the media attention. And mm. I, this was an opportunity to, you know, really reward someone. That's uh, right. And I, it, it be about none of that. I think that was the thing that was um, disappointing most about the International Rugby League choosing not to go ahead with the Golden Boot Award this year. Yeah. Because... That literally is their award for the International Player of the Year. Not the greatest player in the world, yeah. but the International Player of the Year. And they decided, no, nah, we're not doing it this year. And we all know they scrapped it, and we all know that if Australia or England had played an international, that they wouldn't have scrapped it, which That's is right. gross. It is. I mean, imagine how great it would have been for Germany or the Netherlands if the winner had come from one of those two nations. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, I wasn't going to allow that to happen. And yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with that award. No, I agree. I think it's fantastic. It's going to be one of the most Googled names on, in rugby league now. I might have to... Uh... Sorry, I muted my mic for a second. I might have sure. to um, put a link on my website from his name and do like a player profile for him, eh? Yeah, Absolutely. Actually, Maybe I've even link it to do... the uh, the YouTube video of the game that he played in against the Netherlands this year. Yeah, true. Or I could just send people to Rugby League Project too. Well, yeah, that would work. <laughs> I guess that's a pretty good site. <laughs> yeah, they're not too bad. <laughs> uh, speaking of not too bad, the team of the year. The team of the year. There were a few choices for this one. Um, well, who, the who, Melbourne... are your, who are your choices? Yeah, okay. let's go through those. Look, the Melbourne Storm were outstanding. The Penrith Panthers had a incredible winning streak. But when it come to the team performance that they really gelled great as a team and they did something really extraordinary, I could not go past the Queensland Rugby League team. Um, they come in as huge, huge underdogs. And I, I was just so impressed with how they all just gelled as a team, their work ethic. I think that uh, it might be the most impressive coaching effort of Wayne Bennett's entire career. And I really do. I put their win right there with the 1995 Queensland team, and I just couldn't go past them. Um, I think that's a brilliant idea because they were, they were expected to get trounced 3-0 mm. and probably lose every game by 40 or given you know all they had available. You yeah. consider that the majority of their team is made up by players from the Titans, the Cowboys, and the Broncos, all of which had dismal seasons. The Cowboys, uh, the Titans had a strong finish to the year, mm-hmm. but none of those teams finished inside the, the top eight. The Broncos were historically one of the worst teams in history. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys were barely any better. Um, it's remarkable what they managed to achieve. And then you throw in a few of the injuries, like Kalen Ponga didn't get mm-hmm. to play. Um, so the fact they did what they did, despite those, is phenomenal. Really is. It really was. And, and like, I remember at one point this year, I don't think we recorded it, but you and me were looking at the eligible players for Queensland and we were shaking our heads. We were like, man, they're going to get trounced in the Origin Series. And they didn't. They were outstanding. So... Easy team of the year. Like, the Storm, probably unlucky to miss out because what they've done is incredible. Um, But, yeah, Queensland, easy. Easy. Next, we move on to the Rookie of the Year. This would have had a fair few uh, contenders in there as well. 
Yeah, but at the end of the day, it really was an easy one. And I had to go with Harry Grant. Whenever he was playing for the West Tigers, they looked like a completely different team. And then when he eventually finally got his chance in State of Origin, he was he looked like one of the best players in the world. And, you know, it's crazy to think that this is his first year of first-grade footy. Um, you know, in a couple of years' time, he might win the big one. That's how good he's going. So it was his first first year as a regular first grade star. I think he's had yeah. like one or two games yeah. over the last season or two. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean I I've seen enough footage of him playing in the Queensland Cup to know that when the Tigers secured that um that swap deal with him mm-hmm. the, I, I may have even said at the time that he was taking the West Tigers from being a wooden spoon contender to a to a ninth place contender. And it sounded yeah. like a bit of a joke, but the results proved that I was right because you took Harry Green out of that side and they were just they were tired and miserable looking. Yeah, they were dire without him on the field. Yeah. And they were at least you could say they were a bit competitive with him on the field and um yeah, he's I mean it's crazy to think that he could be playing for the Storm in 15 years from now. Mm. And I just, I can't wait to watch his entire career. It's so exciting when you see a player like that and you just know that you, you're going to get the chance to watch them for more than a decade. It's fantastic. I think the crazy, and it highlights how good Craig Bellamy and the Melbourne Storm are because who would have thought when you've had a team that's got... Um, Billy Slater, Cooper Cronk, and Cameron Smith in there, and they've been doing it for so long. Yeah, who would have thought you'd have been able to replace replace all three of them so quickly? Yeah, and yet we've got Pappenhausen, Munster, and now Harry Grant. It's crazy. It's really crazy. It's and fucking all, unfair. Like, <laughs> um, and Munster's the old one, you know? Yeah, it's it's insane, really, and it shows how good Melbourne are. It. They've, you feel like they've got a plan, you know. Yeah, they just know how to find talent and how to make it reach its full potential, if not go above it. But Harry Grant has always been just a really special player, um, and he's just going to be even better once he gets under Bellamy full time. And I think that 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 third Origin game he played, where I mean, if it wasn't for Munster, he could have been in the running for man of the match. He was that good when he came on. Oh yeah. Uh, it, like, I think having that experience will just send him to a completely new level. Oh, he'll be full of confidence now going into the off-season. Yeah. Um, the best thing for the Storm was him getting an origin call-up and then dominating like he did. Yep, yep, 100%. All right. Final award. The King of Rugby League, the greatest player in the world. The numero uno. Look, there was... As the season went on, it chopped and changed a little bit. I think at the start of the year, Jason Tomalolo got out to a pretty early lead. He looked very good, but his season, it, it tailed off a little bit. Um, at one point, Nathan Cleary come into contention, especially as the Panthers kept winning all those games. And, you know, if they had have won the grand final, it would have been a real it would have been a real difficult choice. Um, 
because of all of the Panthers players, he was the only one that you could not replace if somebody got injured, you know? Mm. Um, But I went with the player that I think it's fair to say proved throughout the entire year that they were the, the player to stop, that they were the elite player and that they still held the crown as the best player in the world. And that player is James Tedesco. I fully agree. Um, you consider that the Roosters had a bit of a bit of player churn throughout the uh, the off season last year after winning their title. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, using someone like Latrell Mitchell and Cooper Cronk, they're they're pretty big losses. Yep. yep. Um, so a lot more of the um, a lot more responsibility for the team's attack uh, did fall on Tedesco's shoulders, and he. Took it in his stride. Yeah, and he, like, in the New South Wales team, when things weren't going great, he was very difficult for Queensland to stop. Um, There were a lot of criticism. There was a lot of criticism about him and the way he was playing. I thought he played fantastic for New South Wales. For the Roosters, he was their number one player easily, their most consistent player easily. Um, he was last year's award winner, so he becomes one of the few players to win more than once. Um, and yeah, he's still the number one player in the world. It was a pretty close run thing though. Um, but yeah, it, it was just too difficult to go past him. No, I'm, I could definitely accept that. Uh, for me, he's probably just pissed Moses and by. <laughs> <laughs> So you're saying you'd be up for a player swap? Well, I, I think the Roosters should consider it. Yeah, just to be fair. Just to be fair. <laughs> Plus it's cheaper. Like most of buys only on a million dollars a year, or just under that. Exactly. Tennessee's going to cost twice that. I'll say, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I think eventually I'd be kind of shocked if Cleary didn't eventually get named as the best player in the world. Um, and Tormalolo, like if he just has one season where he's as good from start to finish, he, it's hard to go past him. But yeah, you know, I think for Tormalolo, his problem is always going to be um, the quality of his you know, of his teammates. Yeah, and that's a big problem. And, and the thing about Tormalolo is, like when he did get back into stride at the end of the year for the Cowboys, and this season was long gone, he was putting up massive numbers still, while mm. most of his teammates were playing like bludgers. Yeah, exactly. Um, as for Cleary, it's only it's almost a uh, an absolute certainty that he's going to get this title sometime soon because he's got a a very talented young Panther side, which are largely going to be remained intact for several years. Yeah, we saw what they did this year, so they're only going to get better with with experience and confidence. And for a young halfback, he's. I mean, he'd, he'd probably be only behind Andrew Johns that I can think of in terms of having so many different high-level experiences at the age he has. And there's just every single, you know, every three months or so, you can see he's added a little something to his game. And you even saw that in the Origin series in that second game where he just dominated the whole game. So... um uh, yeah, I'd be shocked if he didn't win it at one point, but it was it was still James Tedesco's title at this stage. I agree. Well, there you go. It's uh, 
Uh, they are hard to argue with. Yeah, and like the the main thing for these awards, I wanted them to be a marker, you know, so that when you look back through them, and you can go and see the award winners list um, on leaguefreak.com, the I wanted you to be able to look back and say, like, I'll just ran, randomly pick a year. Like, uh, I don't know, 2001, Andrew Johns won it. And to be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, they won the premiership that year. It was maybe Andrew Johns at the very peak of his powers. Um, in 2003, Darren Lockyer won it. And, I mean, he, the season he had in 2003 was ridiculous. Yeah. So, it, and just to be, that you can go back through and you can... You go like you can see the winner and be like, oh yeah, he was just he was so good that year, and there's not many awards I think you can do that with, unfortunately. So did you have, um, say, 2018, Thomas Mackinson? No, I mean, that Thomas, must have been tempting. It, you know what? I thought about it, <laughs> and that's probably the problem there. I actually thought about it. Well, you know, getting the golden boot makes you think about it. In 2018, it was Roger Tuivasa Shek. Yeah, hard to argue with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's, that's, I mean, that's fantastic. That's done and dusted. Yeah, um, yeah. Should we move on to a bit of, uh, a bit of opinion in the news? Yeah, let's do some opinion stuff. Okay. Uh, over at Fox Sports, um, Mark, some, some bloke has written this article called, um, Time to justify the price tag. Seven NRL playmakers who face make or break 2021 seasons. Oh, that's interesting. All right. So uh, his first one is Anthony Milford. Anthony Milford. Is Anthony Milford off contract at the end of this year? I think he is. Or this following year, 2021. Um, He might be, yeah. Yeah, I feel like he is. I wish I had a make-or-break season where I'd already been earning about a million bucks a year, hey? Already played Origin. Yeah, internationals. Yeah, it seems odd that he's on this list. I don't think he was the reason why the Broncos were poor last year. No, no. Um, so to start essentially laying some of the, a large chunk of that blame on his shoulders already, that's... uh. I don't know. I, th- I think it's a sign of someone who's not quite a rugby league analyst. I feel like you could talk half a dozen clubs into paying at least $800,000 for Anthony Milford tomorrow. Yeah. I, I agree with that completely. Now, there's one here who you might agree with. Mm-hmm. Mitchell Pearce. Yeah, I feel like it, it It felt like there were rumblings out of Newcastle for the second half of the year that they were maybe look, ready to move on from Mitchell Pearce and take the next step beyond where he could take them. Um, he didn't have a good year. And, it, you know, there was talk that he might actually go back to the Roosters, which I thought was interesting. Um We've talked about his future, where he could end up. I've said that I think he should move to hooker. I think he'd be a fantastic hooker. Well, that's but, the thing. He is, he is a very good defender, for especially for a halfback. So he could, I yeah. reckon he could handle that transition to hooker pretty well. Yeah, yeah, so do I. And 
Um, it will be interesting. I, I think the, the thing that he has gone for him at Newcastle is that there's not too many other players that can really say that they want claims on that halfback role. But, you know, that, they got the young bloke from North Queensland. I think that that deal has finally gone through. It was off for a while, but I think it finally went through. Was that uh, Jake Clifford? Yep, yep. Yeah. So, um, and, but he isn't, he's not the sort of halfback where you definitely can lock into him for the future. Mm. So it's going to be interesting to see if, if they do start, I mean, if they started the season with Clifford, it's all over for Pierce, unless they moved him to five eighth. But even so, um, it might be a sign that they're they're getting ready for the post Mitchell Pierce era. And you've got to wonder where he would end up. I mean, I still think that there'd be a lot of teams that could use a player like him, but I don't think anybody that's looking to contend for the title. I think if you've got a genuinely good six. Yeah. You can create opportunities. And you just need a seven to do some basic stuff. You know, be a distributor. You know, have a reasonably reliable enough kicking game. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're not looking you're not you're not picking a halfback who you need to lean heavily on for the attack. Yeah. He'd go fine. So he'd probably slot in reasonably well at the Sharks. Mm-hmm. Because you've got someone like Sean Johnson there or um you know, Connor Tracy, um, or Young Trindle. There, those those three are pretty good playmakers, and they can create pretty much, you know, at will. Yeah. So I'd well, say you, I'd say, say Mitchell you, Pierce would be an upgrade on the likes of Chad Townsend. Well, say he and and we say this about this team all the time, but say he went to the Melbourne Storm you'd be like, wow, that is a ridiculously good signing for them. And it would be because he would help their defence and all of the, the main playmaking is going to get done by Munster. Yeah. Um, so it, in the right situation, he'd be a good signing. But I feel like for Newcastle, he's probably he's, he was probably shown he's reached the limit of what he can give them. Yeah. Um... I wouldn't be surprised if Newcastle probably had plans for Pierce to be there for just three years and then they'd sort of fall back on Jared Mullen, but Jared Mullen kind of fucked that plan up for him. <laughs> um, I'll say this in his defence. I think it was a bit harsh to to hit him with too much criticism this year given how many times Newcastle were without a hooker due to injury yeah. Yeah. and how many times they went through five eights. Um, Carlin Pinger get, Cup getting moved around and he had a few injuries as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Mitchell Pierce was the only consistent part of their spine all year. Yeah, and and look, the thing that has always got me about Pierce up in Newcastle is that when something good happens with their attack, it normally is Ponga coming up in the line from fullback and playing almost that 5-8th role. And... I, I just don't think he gives them enough in attack. Yeah. Right, the next one here is Michael Morgan. Oh, I think he's he's done, unfortunately. I agree. And I I would say a lot of it comes down to he's had a lot of head knocks. Yeah. And I think after a while that does start to um play on you mentally because you you'd you be going into every match so you can you know, I've got to look after myself and not get hit too many times so I don't get concussed or sort of thing. And so you start playing tentative football. 
mm-hmm. not taking on the line, and so you start becoming predictable. Yeah, and easy to defend against. And that's kind of how I feel. Michael Morgan's gone. Yeah, and it's crazy how quickly it's happened as well. Like two years ago, we would have been saying like Origin player, Test player, and it you know now it it, it really does seem like just physically he's not able to play first grade footy anymore, which is a real shame. And when he has got out in the field, I mean, there's been some games where it's it's looked really, really bad, like you kind of feel sorry for him. Um, and you, you hope that he puts his health first because he's achieved a lot. Oh, he has, and he's been bloody great for you know the majority of his career. Yeah. The problem they're going to have now, though, at the Cowboys, is they have lost Clifford. So... Yeah. They, they're not going to move on him. Well, that's the weird thing about the... Like, when there was talk that Clifford was going to move on, and it, it was kind of weird before that reason, and then when it was called off, you were like, okay, they've come to their senses, but they've lost him again. So, like, I, I couldn't build a season around Michael Morgan at all. No, not at all. Uh, next one is uh, Mitchell Moses. Uh, wow, I don't get that one. How does that work? He's he's playing the best footy of his career. He's in a team that's going to be in the finals next year. He's got, when Dylan Brown is playing, you know, Dylan Brown was injured towards the end of the year, but when Dylan Brown is playing, Dylan Brown is like the perfect, you know, 5'8 for him, kind of like what we're talking about, Mitchell Pearce, you know. I, I, I think that Moses is fine. He is. Look, the problem he had, okay, and I'm not being facetious here, okay, when he's playing great, he's running the ball and he's taken on the line. And this was the same at the West Tigers. Yeah. And he, when, when he starts to get um, tentative or tired you know, as the season goes on, mm-hmm. he stops taking on the line. He starts running sideways. Yeah, and he passes way before the line, and he stops being a attacking threat. All the only thing he's got after, at that stage is his kicking game close to the line. Yeah, that's his only attacking threat. And Parramatta are blessed with having some some great outside backs who are good at capitalising on that. Um, but all he needs to do for the rest of his career is think, run first, and run straight. Is when he takes on the line. He's got plenty of toe on him. Yeah. He's got a good step late, you know, close to the line as well, and he's got a good passing game. It's just between the years. If, you know, he had a bit of an injury, he comes back, and he was just tentative when he came back, and he never got out of that mindset. And I think um, that injury might have been worse than they let on. I agree. You know, it, it, they said it was his calf. I remember when he did it, I thought he's just done his uh, Achilles. That it looked so much like an Achilles injury. Mm. They said it was his calf. He come back in, during the season, which shows it probably wasn't his Achilles. But he just didn't look the same physically. And he and the thing about running with leg. sorry, what was that? He just didn't trust his leg. No, not at all, not at all. And the the thing about a halfback running, and you saw it was interesting to watch it with Cleary at the end of the year. Um, it clear it clearly really had to make an effort to run the ball, and when he ran the ball, even with if nothing was doing, 
it gave him the confidence to do everything else. And so you would see sometimes uh, Nathan Cleary would get the ball and there'd be nothing on it and he'd say, right, I'm running it. And it might have got him like five metres, but it did start something happening. And I, I think that sometimes a halfback, it's, they need someone in the ear saying, run it, run it, run it, run it, you know. Um, and I think that Mitch Moses is one of those players. But the problem is, he's, you know, Dylan Brown is such a young player still. He probably doesn't feel like that's his role. So maybe it's up to somebody else in the team. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't put him on this list just yet. No. Um, I like to mock him, but I, I don't think he's... Um, I don't, I don't think he deserves to be on this list. No, no, not at all. Um, next on here is Ben Hunt. Uh, I guess. So the, the thing with Ben Hunt mm. is since he moved to the Dragons, um, he's been coached by Paul McGregor. Yeah. And he's, he's been notoriously bad for any team's attack. And Ben Hunt came along as being a, a genuinely good attacking half. Mm-hmm. And ended up being forced to play hooker. Yeah, I, I feel like he's been a player that's been mismanaged by pretty much everybody for the last few years. Um, Did you have you ever looked at Ben Hunt and said, "Oh yeah, he'd be a hooker"? No, no, no. You know what? In saying that, he he made a good fist of it when he went there. Like he wasn't. He his performance aren't through a lack of effort. No, no. Unlike some of these other players who just go, yeah, you know what, they're, they're not quite putting 110% in like you'd normally expect. This bloke is busting his ass every fucking week. And the the way the team's attack and the structure is designed, it's it's anti-attack. Mm. And so what the fuck are you supposed to do as an attacking player? Yeah, and I mean, you know, Corey Norman's form has been all over the place. The forwards, the Ford pack at the Dragons, I mean, they go from looking like world beaters early in the year and that falls away really, really quickly because you just mm. can't play the way they were playing it, to the point where, you know, they're easy beats. And on top of that, the first player that they, for some reason, that they blame it all on is Hunt. Um, they dropped him a few times and I just... I don't know why. I think that Hunt could go... I think Hunt would be really good at halfback for Canberra. I think that would be an upgrade for them at halfback. Um, I think Hunt going to the Melbourne Storm would be great for them. Like, there's a bunch of places he'd be good for. Tell me Ben Hunt wouldn't be good at North Queensland. I'd be brilliant at North Queensland. Yeah. Especially with Todd Payton, who is a more of an attacking sort of coach. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd slot into the system pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Pretty damn well. Um, who's next on here? Luke Brooks. Oh man, I <laughs> look. He had a really bad season. Hey, like I was shocked at how bad his season was. I first of all, he's not being paid as much as these other players. No, not even close. Um, secondly, uh, one of the Tigers ever had a Ford pack that's dominated that laser platform for the halves to work off? Never. <laughs> Look, the only time, the only player who's been able to make the Tigers look good despite that forward thing, drama they've got there, mm. is Benji Marshall. Like, you have to be Benji Marshall good 
mm. to make something good out of the club. Mm-hmm. And Luke Brooks is a good attacking player, but he's got so few options around him. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I, I think if you put Luke Brooks in nearly any other club, he'd probably be, you know, an, an immensely better player. Yeah, I would agree with that. And he's, they'd probably straight away give him more money too. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting thing. He's He's got a good defensive technique, but his size means that he doesn't have much impact in defense. Yeah, at some point it's just physics. Yeah, so people people will criticise me over that. But if you watch the way he goes into for a tackle, um, he's trying to effect a tackle the best way he can given his size. Um, he's not trying to shirk responsibilities. His uh, defensive positioning is always pretty good. Mm-hmm. But his problem is always going to be, given he's a small fella, um, he's going to get targeted. Mm-hmm. And the players that defend either side of him, have not been good defenders. No. And so he just makes him a bigger target. Um, so I I don't know. I don't think he's that big a drama. Mm-hmm. He's 25. Yeah. So you would have expected him to have been, you know, had a bit more success than, than now. But um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Maguire can fix him up. He's going to have a bit of money to spend at the end of next year to, you know, build a proper team around him. He doesn't have a consistently, um, you know, regular halfback or mm. five-eighth around him. Mm. He's been moved, you know. Like this year he got moved between six and seven a fair bit too. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, not playing at all while Maguire tries to figure out who's going to be his halves and still come up with no idea. And, so, and look at the start of this year, like I, we were talking about, and, and I know I was saying I wouldn't be shocked if, he gets to a point where he, he looks around at what's happening at the Tigers and says, I've got to go somewhere else. It's just, I, I can't waste my career away at a, at a team that's just a revolving door of, you know, on the verge of retirement players that they keep bringing in. Um, unfortunately, he had a really bad year. So I, I, I dare say it's the worst year of his career this year. But he had plenty of help at the Tigers in, in that regard. I mean, there was a lot of players that didn't have good years at the Tigers. And some of their uh, selection decisions, I mean, when they dropped Benji Marshall, I found that strange because it didn't make them any better. It made them far worse. And then when yeah. Benji come back, they got far better than they were without him. And then they chose not to sign him for next year. Yeah, which makes zero sense. The only yeah. one that's like, yes, I want to play on next year. And still their best player, and they show him the door. It, it's silly. It really was. Um, so, who knows? Uh, I do. I do agree with what they wrote in the article that he needs to step up and take ownership of the team next year. Um, there's no reason not to. Yeah. A lot of journo's have said that Benji and and Farah have prevented that from happening to him in past seasons, which is just garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Farrah takes ownership of a team if no one else will. And Benji's the same. And so that's what happened. And, I mean, they're born leaders, so that's what they'll do. Yeah. But they're not doing it to white ant their teammates. No. Because they're not, they're not the white anting types. They're there because they want the team to win. That's why they play. That's why every fucking player plays. Yeah. So Except for Darius Boyd. 
It's true. Um, so next on the list is a uh, player you just mentioned uh, before was Corey Norman. Yeah, he's. I mean, I feel like he's going to end up in Super League. Hey, I feel like he, I, I just feel like he's been given opportunities by different coaches over time, and you know he's been put in good situations and he's shown glimpses of what he can do. But at some point, I just think that your chances run out. And I, yeah, I think he'll end up in Super League. I think the reason why he's on this list is because the Dragons paid him so fucking much money. That's a good point. That's it. Like if yeah. he was sitting there on four hundred grand a year, you would you would say, yeah, you know what? That's what you that's what you pay for. Mm-hmm. But they've paid so much for him that that's a pressure, a lot of pressure they've put on him to to perform week in week out. Mm-hmm. And that just comes down to the Dragons being shit at what they do. Yeah. Um. I think he'd be a handy enough player in the NRL if he's got a good seven outside him. He's he can be inconsistent though. He like, can be, but you sort of it, it's a little. I suppose Anthony Milford, Cody Walkerish about him. Yeah, like, it's, it's, that, it's that inconsistency that makes him hard to play against because you don't know if you're going to get him in red hot form or whether he's just going to be quiet. Yeah, you don't know how to defend against that. You don't know how to deal with that and it can have it can change from week to week i wonder what would be the perfect team for him then like i wonder if you put him outside uh say dce at manly if that would be something that could resurrect his career i i agree i think that that's the sort of thing you need. he needs a genuine seven who can steer steer a team around and do so much of the playmaking he just feeds off the back of that yeah um. Yeah, I and I do generally think he's a six. So you see, most clubs try and push him in at fullback every now and then just to see if he have if he can do it. And he's okay at it, but I'd I'd rather him at six to be honest. Yeah, I don't understand when they do that. He's uh, yeah, he's definitely a five eight. Mm. So yeah, I'm like you. I think he's a. I think he's super league quality. Yeah. And who else we got on it? Oh, that's it for the for the list. Okay. Um, can you think of any other players that maybe? I mean, how you don't have Cohen Hess on a list like that is beyond me. He's one of the first ones I put on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, Cohen Hess is definitely. You've definitely got to put him on there. Um, who else? I mean, look, Bryce Cartwright's probably on his last chance at the the Eels. Um, Matt Moylan. Matt Moylan, yeah, he's a good one. He's a really good one. Chad Townsend. Yeah, Aaron Woods. Aaron Woods, yeah. Um, Yeah. Who was that? Um, Manly Half. Uh, had a bit of off-field trouble. Likes oh, Walker. PlayStation. Yeah, Dylan Walker. Yeah, Dylan Walker, yeah. I'd be adding him onto that list. Yeah. Because he's not been a threat from pretty much all of his entirety at, at Manly. No, he's he's been rubbish. Yeah. So I'd, I'd put him on the list. Uh, who else have we got here? I think maybe Blake Ferguson as well. Because the... Yeah. 
very poor year. He did, yeah. And um, I think at times he was just unlucky, but, you know, the Eels have already said to him they're not going to re-sign him after his contract's ended, which is really good of the Eels for them to, to say, hey, look, you've got to start looking for your future. You're safe at the club for the rest of your contract, but you've got to look beyond that for yourself. Um, if he has another poor year, he's going to find it difficult to get a contract somewhere else because yeah. he's going to be on a decent amount of money wherever he goes. And, you know, you can get cheap wingers. That's easy. No, we've discussed that before. Yeah, yeah. Um, I throw in probably Ben Teo and Andrew Fafita. Yeah, look, I Andrew Fafita, definitely. Um, he... I, I just hope he's getting rested during the off-season. He looks just busted physically. Well, that's the thing. He's played too many seasons with niggling injuries. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the thing. He just wants to play footy. But, yeah, yeah there's got to come a time where he says, you know what, you've got to sit down, mate, and get your, get your body back together. Yeah, and I think it may be he, because he's had some leg injuries, and he's carried weight very, very well in the past. Like extremely well, hasn't yeah. hurt his cardio or anything at all. But I think maybe it might be a good thing for him to drop the weight just to take the pressure off of his lower body. Yeah, that's, that's not a bad idea. We would need to but, lose. I mean, you saw Josh Papali is another one, mm-hmm. just like uh, Fafita, who can carry a bit of a bit of weight like that and mm-hmm. not be impacted by it, and it just actually adds a bit of extra to his power. Yeah, yeah. So, look, some play, and we've heard Fafita. At the Sharks, even when they had all of their best players there, he was the best in terms of cardio and all sorts of stuff. He's, he's a really gifted athlete, but, um, you know, you don't want him to retire early. He could play for a very long time because he's such a good player. But, I mean, this year, especially the second half of the year, he was running out and he had all the strapping on him. It was yeah, incredible. You could, you could see he was struggling too. Right. It'd be good just to, for him to miss, you know, miss the first half of the season perhaps and just get your body 100% tickety-boo because he's, he's a beast and a half when he's when he's fully fit. He really is. He can win a game on his own. He's one of those. Oh, yeah. Um, guys are free for talent. Ben Tio, look, Ben Tio, I think, done. I don't know why they brought him back at the Broncos. I thought it was stupid. Yeah. Uh, you should have kept him in union. Yeah. Uh, Tyson Frizzell. Look, he's going up to Newcastle with a new contract. He played all right during Origin, but he he's not what he used to be like he, probably 18 months ago, I'd say. No, that's right. Um, Dallin Wittani Zelizniak? Oh, yeah, he's he, he's a good one. He's, uh, he's gone from being an absolutely terrifying fullback to face up against at international level to being... A, a liability for the Bulldogs. It's shocking. Yeah, I mean, to the point where they don't know who their fullback is anymore. I mean, that's what you brought him to the club for. <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing is, too, like, if you just look at him as a physical player, like, he, he had some really good touches as a player at the Panthers and when he played test footy for New Zealand. But then when that started to go away from his game, he was still a physical presence. Well, now he's not even a physical presence, and and that's a real worry. And I think that that has a lot to do with him being lazy. I think he's been lazy. 
That's fickle. Um, I've got to throw Moses and by. Oh, yeah. Like, look, if he was on the open market tomorrow, who signs him? Agreed. You know, and what do you sign him for? Like, I don't even think he's a quality utility player on the bench. I think he's a. I think his level is perfect at New South Wales Cup level. I think that's his ceiling. Yeah, he's he's a Super League player. Yeah, yeah, undoubtedly. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell you what, there's there's talk that the the West Tigers have in their contract to James Tarmo, they've said that he needs to, he will be captain. Yeah, and if so, that gives the Tigers a bit of a get out clause with Mo, Moses and Bayer, where they don't need to put him in the in the thirteen or even the seventeen anymore. Mm-hmm. But still, that's him and Packer, and you throw in Josh Reynolds. So Man, much money. That is a huge amount of money in three players that's not playing in the 17. Yeah, and I can't I can't pick any of them. That's nearly three million bucks. Yeah, yeah. And, like, playing New South Wales Cup level, I think Reynolds is going to be really good in New South Wales Cup. Mbai's not going to stand out in New South Wales Cup. No, that's right. And neither's Packer. Packer's done. Yeah. He's he should he should be on the top of that list. He is done. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we we came up with a list of ours that was bigger. I think it was a better market. list. Yeah. I tell you yeah. another player that I'm interest. I'm half interested to see what he does. And normally I find him extremely boring. Um, Sonny Bill Williams. I think he's. I think he will probably retire. I'd be a little bit surprised if he. Um, played on. I mean, he'd be able to get a contract somewhere. I don't think he's an NRL player anymore. Um, he might be a. He might be. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he went to like the Catalan Dragons or something more for the lifestyle move. Yeah, but I, I think that his time as an elite footballer is well and truly over, and I think he showed that when he played in the NRL. Even when he played in Super League, you you were saying he was terrible in, when he played for the Toronto yeah. Wolfpack. He was struggling to hold down a position that side. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I agree on that one as well. Now, should we I'd be a little bit controversial here? Mm-hmm. Name our list of say seven rugby league journalists who need to improve next year. Just seven. Just seven. Just seven. Just to make it a challenge. All right. They don't have to be in order from most, from, from you know, most to worst or anything like that. Just seven. Seven names who need to be better at what they do. Yeah. Oh, man, that's that's going to be tough because oh. I don't read any of them. <laughs> well, I'll I'll take the obvious bait first, and that's James Hooper. Yeah, he's it's, he's just turned into a blogger. Yes, he needs to stop talking about what he wants his opinion to come across as. Yeah. Where he says, oh, word is and sources say and stuff. And, you know, actually speak to people and get on the record quotes because at the moment people just don't give a fuck about what you say anymore. Yeah. Well, how many times have, like, you brought up one of the articles that he's written and, and there's literally no quotes in it? Yeah. And the articles are often two, three hundred words in length? Like, mm. how do you even justify writing that shit and getting paid for it? 
Yeah, there's. <laughs> I remember on my website, if I hadn't written 500 words on a subject, I was like, oh, this is crap. I'm not posting this, you know. Yeah. It seems the more... The the more um, airplay he gets, the more opinions he sort of sprouts out. Mm-hmm. The more he gets paid, the less he writes, as far as content in articles is concerned. Yeah. Um, and what he puts out now is utter dross. Yeah, I can't believe it gets. I can't believe how bad a lot of the. Rugby league media has gotten, like, it's gotten really bad. It has, which would lead me to number two, and that's Phil Gould. Yeah, well, you know what? In that third origin game, because he come back in the third origin game, right? Mm-hmm. And he dialed it back, and he was fine. But then towards the end of the match, he dialed it up, and you were like, oh, this is what I don't like. Um, but I've got to say in that, I think it was that second origin game when it was... Who was it that was commentating? It was Billy Slater and someone else. And it was really, really good commentary. It might have been Andrew Johns. Uh, really, really good commentary. And, you know, the backlash against the way that Phil Gould commentated the grand final, I think, said a lot. And he's been like, it's, it's been going downhill for a long time for him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um uh, the problem is he's still got too much say in the media landscape about how rugby league is played and run and all sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So he sits there jittering, you know, banging on like a Karen, and too many people within the game listen to him and do what he says. And that's it's been bad for the game. Which leads me to number three, and that's Phil Rothfield. Yeah, like, I mean, Phil Rothfield, he, he does so much TV stuff now, and I, I don't think it compares anywhere close to what when he writes, you know? That's right. He's he's just becoming more and more irrelevant. Yeah, but, like, I think it's I think it's his TV stuff doesn't do him any favours. No, that's well, that's true. On it, you know, if it was just his – if it was just the writing – he still writes some some interesting stuff, at least you can say that. I mean, I don't I don't read the Telegraph at all. There's just nothing in it ever that I look at. But every so often, I'll see an article come up from him, and it's uh, you know, you you'll be like, oh yeah, that's a that's a story. But then you see him on TV, and it's it's not great. No, not at all. Um. Just trying to think of see. Dean Ritchie? Oh, no. No. <laughs> no, no, he shouldn't be on the list. No, just, just complete disregard. Yeah. Complete disregard. Well, that, that means he should be on the list. He needs to get a lot better. Oh, that's easy. He, he is just fucking shithouse. Yeah, not good. Um, Paul Crawley? I didn't hear much about Paul Crawley this year. Well, that's because he just sounds like Phil Rothfield. Yeah. <laughs> we should call him 2.0. <laughs> no, call we him... should call him 2.0. <laughs> 2.0. Uh, we call him Paul Rothfield. Paul Rothfield. Or Phil Crawley. <laughs> so I, th- I, 
honestly, my timeline stopped watching NRL 360. I didn't watch it. I, th- I think I watched five minutes of it this year, um, and that was enough. But my timeline used to light up about NRL 360, and this year it didn't. And I think that, you know. Well, that's a sign that people have also started to turn off it. Yeah. I stopped watching it. Yeah. And usually it's one of those things that I like to rage watch, so I've got something to talk about on the podcast. <laughs> and now I've just gone, you know what? I can't be fucked anymore. <laughs> Let's go. Now, I'll just find something else to talk about. And I've just moved on from that period in my life. Yeah. Um, number six, I've got Matthew Johns. Yeah, what does Matthew Johns do now? Oh, he's got a he's got uh, his show on Fox Sports. Yeah, does... where he says exactly the same jokes every week. Every week, yeah. He, and then does he does it he... on his podcast as well, every week. He doesn't have a radio show. Well, he's not on radio anymore. I, you know, it, I, he was successful enough in radio. I'm not going to say that he got punted from radio, you know what I mean? But, um, <laughs> uh, like, yeah. Whenever the footy ends and his show comes on, it's not for me, and that's all right. But... You know, those those weird opinions like needing a fourth state of origin game where it's winner takes all, It's what's that all about? He thinks he's some sort of, I don't know, rugby league intellectual <laughs> because of his brother. I don't know. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's like, got me a bit, man. I don't understand how the hell he works. Yeah. People must watch him. I mean, he, he, he must drag in ratings and stuff, but it's just not the sort of show I'm interested well, in watching. It's because, you know, the likes of Paul Vorton back in the 90s got everyone in the rugby league world excited about, you know, dick and tit jokes. <laughs> and so Matthew Johns is just running off the back of that. You know, it's still that, an audience for it. I think that there's a place in sports commentary for a less serious version of commentary. And I, I actually watched that Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. fight today. And Snoop Dogg was a commentator on it. And he was absolutely amazing as a commentator. And he was just making jokes the whole time. Like, like at one point, <laughs> Mike Tyson comes in against uh, Roy Jones and Snoop's going like, get out of there, Roy, get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just that, that just that little difference, um, and it made it entertaining. And so there, I think there is a place for that, but there, it's it's a real time and a place for it. Like you got to pick your spots. You do indeed, and you can't overplay it either. No, no, that'd be the problem with that. And some, you got to come up with some fresh material. Mm. So I've named six men. Can you bring one to the table? Okay, one I would bring to the table. Um, I'm trying to think of any of the journos out there. Uh, what about Danny Widler? He's had a quiet year this year. He, he has had a quiet year, and I must say, um, given I've not watched Channel 9 pretty much at all this year, mm-hmm. other than the first half of the Origin games. Yep. Because um, <laughs> that's all, you know, Dad Judy's gotten away. Um, I've not had to put up with him talking, or his fucking ear. Yeah, they're looking at the back of his ear. Um, yeah. yeah, he just, I don't know, he's had a quiet year. Um, Is there anyone on, that's exclusively on radio? Because, see, you've got, the, you've got the Sydney radio market up there. I don't get any of it. Yeah. Well, one, 
once 2GB was bought by Channel 9 um, the, and all of their sport, but they just chucked all their sport people at 2GB. And it's te- like I, I've joked with you about it. Like you put on 2GB and it's Mark Levy and Paul Garland talk and it's it takes every part of your being to not just want to drive off a fucking cliff. Um, hearing those two talking is like, it's like, the worst thing in the world there's nothing worse than it at all mark levy just makes me sad yeah all i want him to do is just get off twitter all of his counts just get off twitter mark yeah i don't don't... talk don't talk about what's going on on twitter just walk away from it i I don't follow him so i don't see it and I neither, neither do I, but I, I hear and see a lot of the followers, uh, or you know, people I follow, mm. are talking about him every now and then. I just go, oh, is this still going on? Yeah. I don't have an opinion either way. I just think it's someone's got to stop the charade, and he just needs to get out of it. I feel like Twitter is going to start to be used differently by people. Hey, or I feel like with burner I, accounts. Hey. Just creating burner accounts. No, no. I I feel as though if people do stay on it, it is going to start to be like you post something and walk away from it. You don't engage in conversations. Oh, so kind of using it kind of like Facebook. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's how I and you know that's how I use Facebook. Yeah. Look, the the trick to being successful on Facebook uh, mentally. Mm-hmm. is to post shit and then never look at the comments. Mm, yeah. Just walk away. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Facebook's and look, a mess. And I, I, I have been doing that for years now. So um, when people, t- every time somebody mentions Facebook to me, they hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be going there. Mm. All right, we'll put, uh, we'll put Mark Levy on the list. No, I picked fucking Danny Widler. Oh, Danny Widler. He's not even fucking relevant. All right, I'll put him on there. He's more relevant than Mark Levy. Neither am I, really. <laughs> Was Widler the one who tried to interview the Trebojeviches when they were during lockdown? And instead of just doing it over the over Skype or something like that, he decided that he needed to go out there and be seen on TV wearing a face mask. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I remember seeing that going, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I feel like he might have done an interview with Sonny Bill Williams. Of course he did. Where they, they showed Sonny Bill Williams from bench. his balcony and over and they were talking over a phone. <laughs> Which is... Oh, I wasn't even mad. I was just impressed. Yeah. yeah the interesting thing about this list is we've got no Paul Kent on there. Yeah. That's because he's just been consistently the same. Yeah, he's just yeah, he's just always middle of the road. Yeah, and besides, we can't shit on the man because we get about seven episodes a year out of him. Yeah, the Ask Canty is fantastic. Yeah. People come up with some really good questions for him. They do. So we we don't hate Paul Kent. No, no. We love his uh, his laziness when it comes to answering people's questions. It's it's so, it's so weird that they have the hashtag and everything. They build it up and they devote what a minute to it. Yeah, pretty much. If they're lucky, they'll answer maybe three, but mostly it's two. Yeah, it's weird. And he calls everyone on Twitter peanuts and 
dickheads and that sort of stuff. So is he shows, wrong? Though? Is he wrong? I'm not arguing with that one. <laughs> it just it just shows um, how pointless the system is when he fucking hates it himself. Yeah, that's like good. while we're having a Twitter thing when I fucking hate Twitter and I hate the fucking people. That's his attitude. Yeah, and you gotta you gotta agree with him on that sense. Yeah, if you don't fucking like it, why do it? Yeah, do you reckon that they <laughs> they just have pushed it on him just to make him angry? Pretty much. This will fire him up. Yeah. That's pretty and, much it. Yeah. Let's let's get a let's get a former halfback pissed off. Like that's hard work to do. Yeah, that's pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. We've done our list. Yeah, we I like. Have, we would have put Marks and John on there, but pff, no one knows who you are, mate. Jesus. That's harsh, but fair. That's very harsh. Yeah. So I, I, I honestly don't read any of the footing. Like, I don't go to Fox Sports. Uh, in fact, people hear on the podcast when I go to Fox Sports. Um, I, I haven't read the Telegraph for a long time. Occasionally, I'll check out the Sydney Morning Herald website, but it's been a long time since there was anything on there I found interesting. Yeah, and we, we know that, especially last year, towards the end of the year, we were pretty much just dining out on the shit that they were serving up all the time. Mm. This year, we people will be able to freely see that we've really scaled back on that hard. Yeah. We're not going there anymore. We'll just read nah. whatever's off the NRL website. Yeah, well, and the NRL website's pretty damn good at, at keeping you up to date with what's going on in the in the league. Yeah. Um, and, and all of it, you know, it's not like you get just the PR spin aspect. Um, and you, they've got they a few pieces of some of the other there. stuff. Yeah. They do have a bit of opinion on there. Um, and they do tend to wait until they've got the facts first on stuff before they put it on there most more often than not than the mainstream media anyway yeah that's true that's that true. makes their content relevant so there we go that's a pretty good list yeah i like our lists and and i like that episode we did good we've done brilliant yeah uh i was gonna ask you who do you think's the king of the mainstream media commentators Oh wow, that's a good question. Um, uh, man, that's really, really difficult. <laughs> how's about uh, how's about that bloke who does that podcast with me? Oh, that bloke. Yeah, ah, he's a prick. He'd be um, the he's king prick though. Yes, true. <laughs> That's true. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm not good with these. I I don't. I try not to take in any media. So yeah, I'll I'll go with one name. That's Roy Masters. Yeah, I like reading when Roy. That you know, I was just thinking before. I can't remember the last time I saw a Roy Masters article on the Sydney Morning Herald website. Hey. He's a, I think he's an independent writer now, so... Okay. Because he's not shitting on the game all the time, they've probably decided to scale him back. Yeah, they wouldn't like that. Yeah, that doesn't fit with the uh, modus operandi. Mm. Well, that's been a pretty good episode. Yeah, yeah. And like we were talking about before we started recording, that's like the end of everything we have like p- 
planned for the season proper. And now we can do things that we just kind of want to do from now on for yeah. the rest of the off-season. It's great. It is. Um, have we had any emails after we've done that great email episode? Uh, let me have the a look. Last one. I haven't checked the emails at all today. I'm guessing uh, Ash has probably sent in another five or six more. <laughs> Ash, Ash sends some really good emails in, eh? Um, none via the the email address, but we ask people to use the website because it's easier to to see who sent in. Uh, uh, yeah, let's have a look. No, no new ones. No new. Oh, ones. that's well, that's a shame. Yeah, and there's been no new comments either. That's so. fine. It's only been a couple of days. Yeah, but uh, if you find any hearts, people, get out there and give us a comment and give us a five-star review so we can read it out on the podcast and we'll put it up on the website as well. Um, I guess we wrapped it up, haven't we? Yeah, I wonder what our next episode will be about, hey? Something to do with the history of the game, probably. Probably, yeah. We'd do a history one. I'd like to do a... You know what I'd like to do? and And, and it's one that like mainly surrounds the work you do is another profile on someone that can all be arranged yeah i like the profile ones all righty i have to figure out who we've done a profile on and who we haven't yet yeah it's uh i've lost track <laughs> <laughs> like uh who would be a good who would play to do a profile on have we done pat walsh um did we do Pat Walsh? That's a good question. I'm not sure. Because if we haven't, his story is brilliant. It's hard to remember what we have talked about together and what we've actually recorded. Mm-hmm. Let Agreed. Me look, let me look on my website <laughs> and see if it comes up as a podcast episode. Uh, Chaos of 1909. I was in with that? Yeah, maybe he was in with that. I didn't put the whole thing in there, though, but it ties okay. in with it. Okay. Yeah, so I, we haven't done a dedicated one to him, though. Um, yeah. All right. We might do that one, then. Okay. Sweet. Sorted. We'll sort that out. That'll, that'll, we'll put that one up. That's a pretty good episode. Okay. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything else. I think we've pretty much nailed this. Yeah, uh, sorted it. People, go to uh, manscaped.com and uh, get anything you want there. When you get to the checkout, type in the code NRL. That's our gift to you. You'll get 20% off plus free shipping and a 30-day back money guarantee. Uh, money back guarantee. So uh, get in and check out their stuff. Um, we would love if you did that. Uh, also, check us out on Twitter and Instagram at FergoFreakPod. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, so get over there and check us out there. Um, you can check out our website, FergoTheFreak.com, and they can yeah. uh, leave us a message for you. Yeah, go to the contact section and chuck in a message and press send, and we'll get it, and we'll read it out on air. And also over there, I mean, Freaky's done some great work on that website to make sure that everything's sort of um, in a bit more order. So if you want to find just the history pieces... He's got them all there lined out for you. Yeah, you can also, the history ones, uh, we've got a section for them. We've also got a section for all the guests we have on, which is pretty cool. You can see all the people we've talked to. So, uh, like, 
it's it's not a bad website. It does exactly what you need it to do. It's a fantastic website. It's one of several websites that Freaky owns, and he does brilliant work on all of them. <laughs> Thank you. I try. <laughs> try. Also, make sure you check him out over at Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash leaguefreak. Um, he's got a few tiers over there, so sign up to one and, you know, toss in one or two coffees is pretty much all it is per month, and uh, you'll be helping out one of the longest-running independent rugby league content creators there is. But they need to also make sure that they go to patreon.com forward slash project because that all of that money goes towards the digitization of rugby league history, which is super important, goes towards rugby league project, which every single one of us uses. It's a fantastic website, so get behind it. Agreed. And I think that pretty much is it. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Catch you all next time.